Hey, it's Rob. If you missed our 17th place roundtable, we had a good one. Chappelle and I got together with Brandon Donlin, Zach Wartenberger, and Maddie for a very fun podcast talking about week two of Survivor. On Friday night, Taryn had the first BB Can roundtable. Whether you're keeping up with every episode or just want to know what's going on, Taryn, Melissa, and Chappelle have everything from week one of BB Can. And the Amazing Race is back this week. I'll be kicking off the season with Mike and Jess on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome to Pod Friends. That was Will from America with the Pod Friends theme song. Shout out to Will from America as always. And as always for Pod Friends, I am your host, Matt Scott. And I am just thrilled to be here. I'm thankful to be here. I want to wish you all yet again a happy Pride as this is the last episode of Pod Friends coming out during Pride Month. Coming out, no pun intended, um, but coming out during Pride Month. And um, I'm just really thankful. I want to give you all a big shout out just for being with me this first month back of the pod friends season you know it's really interesting getting into the rhythm of things and having these conversations i have so many more conversations to come for pod friends over the course of this summer and i'm just thankful that you're on the journey with me here doing this pod friends thing and you know last week was the father's day edition with david bloomberg and I just want to thank you all for all of the love in relation to that episode and the conversation that I could have with David, which was interesting because he's someone who's been in this community and someone who, you know, we all know if you know Survivor, if you're a Survivor super fan, you know the rules and, you know, you obviously uh, associate those with David. And so it was great to dive in with a lot of topics, including, you know, being someone of a different generation than a lot of podcasters on the network, um, being a father, being an engineer, just having all these different perspectives. And I'm glad that we could have conversations in the spirit of pod friends that were maybe beyond what people would expect. And so here's a conversation this week, um, as mentioned at the end of last week's episode with Beth Dixon, who is 
a phenomenal podcast host. You know Beth from RHAP's Recap, the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap, along with Liana. Shouts Liana and Aman. And I love what they do. I'm a, I'm actually a huge Drag Race fan, um, and I love what they do talking about the show, but also in the process talking about queerness, talking about social issues that come up in these shows. And I'm just such a big fan of the Recap, and I'm a huge fan of Beth even beyond the recap when it comes to my weekly meltdown, hot mess moments. Beth is just out here in this community doing so much and is also a member of the queer community. This month, I've I've been really thankful um, with the Pride Has Spoken and even with some of these pod friends interviews to have conversations um, about queerness and how we all relate to and interact with that. And I was thrilled to have this conversation with Beth because we started it out just having like a good old time. And, um, you know, Beth is someone I wish that I had more time to talk with. I feel like that about so many people who I get to talk with um, through pod friends. And so I'm thrilled that we got to have the conversation we did. And I hope that this is a chance for you to get to know Beth um, and just so many things about her, like her singing background, family band, performing at Carnegie Hall, all these phenomenal things that I wasn't even as familiar with. And then her background with sports growing up and um, just everything when it comes to being a sexual, demisexual, biromantic, we dived in and Beth really, um, really to her credit, um, as I've seen her do time and time again, took the opportunity to educate and help people understand, help me learn and understand. And so I hope that as I learned and as my mind expanded, that you all have that same effect in hearing my conversation with Beth. Um, but so many more interviews to come for Pod Friends this summer. If you want to suggest a guest, you could go to bit.ly slash podfriendsnom. That's bit.ly slash podfriendsnom. You could watch on YouTube. These are all on YouTube at robhaswebsite.com slash YouTube. You could subscribe to the podcast, leave five stars, leave a review at robhaswebsite.com slash podfriendsfeed. Um, this is also, as July 1st rolls around, a great time to become an RHAP patron, which you could do at robhiswebsite.com slash Patreon. Um, and there are so many great patron benefits. The patron five for five, which features Rob and his wife, Nicole Sesternino, who is um, amazing and who I hope to have on Pod Friends sometime. Um, and just so many other great opportunities to get to engage with the community, which is one of the best parts of being part of the RHAP network, honestly. And so all that and more, all of those links and more you could find in the show notes. And um, without further ado, let me just dive in and get to introducing Beth. Making her way to the podcast, hailing from Brooklyn, New York, she is the co-host of the RHAP Rootcap of Hot Mess Moments and of my weekly meltdown with a master in educational leadership. She works matching college students with career opportunities and does so much more. She's a gamer of video and board and doesn't play games when it comes to laying down those vocals, whether at Carnegie Hall or as part of her family band, the Dixon Five. Buckle up and please welcome Beth Dixon. 
Wait, what the heck? What is going? Hold on, what? Beth. What? Give me a second. Let me like zoom in on you if I could figure out how to do this because I don't know how <laughs> to like. Wait. Okay. Wait. Oh wow. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm still here, Beth. Yeah. Beth. What? What's your elephant obsession all about here? Okay. And how many elephants are there behind you? Okay, so we have it's opposite. So it's uh, we have my picture, <laughs> which was painted by uh, my friend Nigel, Eight uh, Bit Dylan's okay, husband. I'll make it less um, awkward. Sent- by the way. If <laughs> no. you're watching the video, by the way, it's not just Beth's face. Now you can see it is. I have taken over Pod Friends. It's all about oh. me. Ooh, that's <laughs> thrilling to me. That's my dream. Someone like, taking it God. over. <laughs> see, no. now, see, as soon as I said that, the camera went out of focus. Like, girl, you need a comment. Yeah. Um, but then I have one. <laughs> I can't count. So we got one, two, three. This is like a little one playing video games on a. Um, Chair. that's a corkscrew this one is <laughs> and then that's one i bought in mexico um i just love elephants they're my favorite animal when i was born the day i was born my father went down to the hospital gift shop and bought a little pink elephant for me like a little stuffed Aww. animal and i think that's probably why because it was like the one of the first stuffed animals i ever had and then i've just had an obsession since i was kid like a kid and i used to like love the zoo books and like get the elephant one and just read it all the time and that was about it. Wait, yeah. this is like a look. I don't have a lot to say about elephants, please. Or not, <laughs> um, in case you were wondering, but do you have any other like? I'm not gonna call it. I'm not gonna call you weird to your face. No, please do. Right now, please do. But do you I, have any I other like weird that. obsessions like that? We love weird. Weird is good. Weird. We need to reclaim weird. It's this one. Seltzer. I'm not going to do the zoom in thing again for the video. Oh, thank people, but, uh, Hello. Yeah, I'm Beth obsessed is, with seltzer. Beth, for the people listening to the audio, Beth uh, was raising a can of seltzer. It is slightly green. It, it is, is a polar seltzer, polar which is, seltzer. Uh, we are not sponsored by polar, although that is an ultimate be. goal of mine. Like polar, if you're out there, I've been petitioning selfishly no not selfishly selfishly <laughs> totally selfishly ways. selfishly i like selfishly that yeah um to be uh sponsored by pole i love polar seltzer i know it's Ooh. like a northeast kind of thing but i love polar seltzer it is the perfect combination of taste flavor and yeah. carbonation do you have a flavor ranking of of polar in particular yeah it changes, but the top okay. two are consistently summer flavors. So they're ones I won't get at any other time of year, even though they're on sale. Mm-hmm. It's their mango limeade. Oh, so good. And then their tart cherry limeade. Oh, they're amazing. Ooh. Um, I like oh, the which lime one is one. that? This the is lime. lime. Okay. Do you think I like lime? lime? <laughs> like my top two were limeade ones, and I'm sitting here drinking a lime one. I almost <laughs> just said basic lime, too. And so I'm like, okay, I called Beth weird and then implied basic. that she's ba- Yeah, no. Your um, both accounts are correct. So you're you're you know, calling me out. Call me I'm out. I'm basic too, and I don't have seltzer right now. And I it's feel sad. like why do I need to embrace seltzer in my life? Like, what am I missing out on? Okay. So, I don't know why my voice became really sensual all of a no, sudden. No, so we're going to talk about this. So listen, I haven't always Ooh. liked seltzer, right? Tell me about it. Also, an eyelash decided to attack my eyeball just now. Um, Ooh, I <laughs> Wait, I want to... Hold on, I'll show solidarity and try to knock <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, don't do that. It hurts. I have... Do you have this issue? No. I, I literally get at least Wait, one maybe. eyelash into my eye every single day. See... 
that sounds like it's a doctor problem. <laughs> she could go to my physician. My eyes, my eyelids are not, or not my eyelids. My eyelashes aren't doing their thing. They're supposed to protect things from going in my eye. They're just going in the eye myself. What the heck? You know, when I was growing up, my mom always used to be like, oh, your eyelash. She always would talk my eyelashes and I get some eyelashes and eyebrows. She really wanted mm-hmm. them. So I feel like, you know, I don't. I, pro- I don't know if they're falling into my I think it's like the the um, angle the diameter <laughs> oh no they're not going into my eye that often oh. but like they're probably like slightly missing you know like no, I, would, I, right I, I often find an eyelash on the these cheeks um I wish like, no yeah. mine are always kind of like haha I just decided to be friends with your contact lenses and then get underneath and like it really sucks but you're a contact um, person have you <laughs> have you always how long have you always been a glasses contact person I'm fascinated yeah. by this because I had not to be fancy Beth but I had LASIK at the start of this Ooh, year oh, so. oh okay oh okay yeah so look at that don't even take don't even put my fingers I'm in my eyes ter- anymore I'm terrified of the idea of LASIK surgery like I'm terrified. Yeah. I can I can poke around with my eye, no problem. Look at my eyes. Yes, I can see. They 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 work too. They work. Okay, question for you with LASIK then, because one of the other reasons mm-hmm. why I haven't considered it is with my contacts, I see 2013. So I see oh, two prescriptions better than quote unquote perfect vision, right? Oh, so I yeah. don't want to have LASIK and then be like, this isn't as good as I used to see with just contacts in. See, uh, that's, that's the sacrifices you have to make. Yeah, it's not Because I think I had a similar, <laughs> I think I had a similar thing. My eyes are not both equally strong after LASIK. They're close. They're yeah. like both really good though. Mm-hmm. Like I swear. It's nice yeah. to not have to put my fingers in my eyes, but I do think about my contacts still and it's been like six months and I'm like, Oh, I have to take them out. No, I don't. No, I don't. I would love. I mean, I would love that because I remember how maybe not. See, I never have to look in the mirror or anything. I just kind of go bloop and I pop them right oh, in God. and that kind of stuff. Good how how does that translate to your life <laughs> and how you look at things? Do you feel like, you know, is that a metaphor for your life where you don't? <laughs> I don't look, look at in it in the mirror. I just. Oh, no, I look in the mirror. I'm a Leo. Oh my god! What does this face? I do like to ask people because I'm not a big (laughs) astrological person. But like, how does your Lee? Tell me about you as a Leo, and how does that manifest for you? Let's talk about that. So my my big three. So the big three signs. Yes, I am a Leo Sun, a Leo Moon, and then Mm -hmm. um, I'm a Capricorn Rising. So. Oh, I thought I'm it was sorry. Be like, I thought it was going to be like a ding, 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 ding. Another like, Leo. Across the board. Yeah, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> well, if you go to my little three, I'm also a Leo Mercury. So, oh. um, which means your Mercury sign is a lot of like how you uh, send and receive information and like communicate with people, right? And how you take in uh, mm-hmm. information. So that aligns with my ego, which is yeah. Leo, which is my sun sign and kind of like my inner self like when i'm most comfortable your moon sign um so like when Mm -hmm. you're most comfortable how you kind of um how you like to be taken care of and like what you are you're most comfortable right so for me it's like how i am on the outside and the inside and how i communicate is all like cohesive so that's leo but basically Mm -hmm. leos are um it's a fire sign so i'm very passionate um i tend to be very outgoing um i tend to need a lot of validation uh, whether it's because I like to be the center of attention. You're doing a great job. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yes. I nod a lot. So maybe that helps. So here's the, here's the thing. I know that was a joke, but I couldn't help it on the inside. I was like, Oh yeah. I felt it. (laughs) (laughs) I did. But that's just telling you, like I've, it's important. Like I think of astrology as a means of like, if it rings true for you, use that to better understand how you can grow and learn. Um, and Mm -hmm. like, you know, stifle the things that maybe are challenges for you or yeah. like overcome them or maybe are quote unquote more negative traits. And if there are things that are positive about you, embrace those. I yeah. don't necessarily sit back and think like this is the be all end all of all things like spiritually. Yeah. Um, so that's why I enjoy it. Um, my Capricorn Ew. rising is like Ew. where I get a lot of like, um, I'm very driven and I'm very, uh, uh, I'd like tend to have like a more quote unquote conservative style. Like I'm not necessarily super flashy with how I dress and that kind of thing. So, um, which is interesting because I feel like if I were, were, there'd be, it'd be very Leo based and it would be in your face. So, (laughs) Oh my gosh, there's so much there. Why do you think like, okay, this is so, there's so many directions I could go in right (laughs) now, but I think like one of them is like, what? I don't know that I well actually let me take like a mini step back okay. Beth because uh, I oh, I guess we're recording a podcast right now a side note but I will say <laughs> you know something that I'm like always fascinated by and like a reason that I do pod friends is just because like everyone has there's so much more that we don't know about people yeah. or like a backstory to people but at the same time I think maybe like Uh, podcasting and podcasting in the way that we do about the shows and media that we love is so fascinating because it's the perfect example of how you could like hear people say so much and then still know so little about them at some point. <laughs> I thought you were going to say say so much, but they're also saying nothing at the same time. I thought that's full of it. Full of it. All of them. <laughs> writing a I'm college essay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm over, over, over everybody. Um, okay. No, I just, I, it's like fascinating because I'm like, oh my gosh. Like even when I interviewed Mari on Pod Friends, I was like, oh my God, there's so much that we haven't that we didn't know and we literally have podcasted for like maybe a minimum of two hours a week every week for the last year and a half I guess now at this point so there's so much there but I want to like ask you even like before kind of getting into your story do you have a this is a weird question but you did talk about looking in the mirror metaphorically (laughs) Um, so I'm curious like do you have like a sense of how you like of how you might be perceived in the the this <sighs> RHAP uh, other things community um so it's actually a really interesting question because i Oh, thank you. I'm getting the validation. There you go. See, here you go. I try to give what I want. No. Um, I I want it too. I actually actually really struggle with social anxiety. Um, I think that a lot of people in my life are shocked to hear that I very much struggle with... I have anxiety issues and depression, but then I also have... Uh, social anxiety. And a lot of that comes from like an imposter syndrome that's happening in my head. And then I kind of fill in what other people must be thinking. And then like, that's literally how nobody is thinking. Mm -hmm. So to answer that, I'm sure whatever I feel is like not it. But I feel like, um, I mean, the people who listen to me on Drag Race, um, I think 
probably see me as somebody who is hopefully knowledgeable about drag. I've been uh, taking in a lot of it over the past six, seven years of my life. Um, But that I hopefully come across as somebody who's hoping to provide a fun, positive, but hopefully educational voice when it comes to talking about like social issues and social impact and identity. Um, It's something I feel like if I have a platform and I have a lot of privilege, it's something that I can do in order to like help talk about, you know, issues of race or issues of gender identity, sexual identity, ability, mm-hmm. age, whatever, the, uh, being a woman. I mean, like yeah. a whole bunch of those different things. So um, it was really so nice at the live event. I had so many wonderful people come up and, uh-huh. uh, and say like, you know, I've taken a lot of what you've said and I've been able to t- share that in conversations at work where people were messing up pronouns or yeah. didn't know how to potentially change the way that we see and talk about some of these issues in a more formalized space. Mm-hmm. And so that was nice. I had people come up and say, I'm also Asa or Demi or, yeah. you know, biromantic or whatever the case is. And so I think that hopefully that's part of how I'm being seen. I, I mean, obviously I would hope that I'm also entertaining in some capacity, but that's, everybody else's decision to make you weren't even trying to be entertaining so there we are great yeah where's my fan i could like oh wait clack that fan (laughs) it was a bad one hold on i didn't know it was a clacky fan i thought oh no no no. you want a clacky one hold on oh wait this is a heavy okay i was born ready clack this is a Trixie Mattel Oh, oh Honey oh, fan. Oh, oh Honey. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> wow. This is like, yeah. this, this is a fabulous, this is fabulous. This whole I got podcast. my fans. I got my fabulous. seltzer. I'm ready you to go. You got the fans, the seltzer. Do you have your Josh <laughs> Grobin, by the way? <sighs> Always in my heart. So I want to piece these things together. Before we really dive into like, <laughs> podcasting and like other things that people, you are a, could you, you know, explain yourself. Josh Grobin. <laughs> why? Okay, first of all, I raise me up. Sorry. So I can. So, um, so what's so funny is like, that's the song everybody knows. And it's like the song I never listened to with his because I'm like so into all the rest of his music. Yes. I I just like his music. Um, It's not a genre that a lot of people I think are necessarily exploring this kind of contemporary, um, easy listening slash. almost operatic musical theater kind of voice. Like, I don't know how else mm-hmm. to describe it. I feel like the same people who listen to him listen to like Michael Buble, even though Michael Buble is more yeah. like, they have like a jazz kind of sense to his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just, honestly, it started off as I really liked his music and his voice. And then it turned into, I really liked his face. And so honestly, oh. that's just what it came from. But Whoa. I enjoy his music a lot, <laughs> I, especially like his like original music. Yeah. Um, I, appreciated what he'd had to start with david foster but i really like the music he's produced since like 2011 in that time frame so yeah i mean to try to draw connections between what we've been talking about <laughs> so that i seem like my mind is less random than it is to be fair you i'm know, a random person so <laughs> i'm a random i like randomness i like i like I like one just like the different ways. I like the way I like your brain a lot, Beth. Yes. I'm just letting you. you know. I like the way that it works because it wor- it works. It works like W E R K. Oh, okay. W-E- yeah, no, it works. Or yeah. W E R X. 
X. X. I don't know how to say X. X. <laughs> but uh, oh, no. <laughs> I was gonna. Oh woof. Oh my god, what is happening? Let me. Okay, let me do the. Okay, let me ask this question. Sure. This is like a great interview question. Believe mm-hmm. me, it's gonna definitely come out great. Okay. So people sometimes music music is you know music is a thing that a lot of us connect with a lot of us like you know you have certain artists and songs and they perform about things that resonate with our lives um if you're watching the video version i'm looking off to the side because as i look at you beth i just like feel the urge to get completely random and silly and it's great and it's a great feeling um (laughs) block your face yes please block your face (laughs) um but (laughs) but i wonder like is there a yeah do you see any relation between like josh groban's music and what he sings about and kind of your life like why does that connect with you um i do i think that um i landed on my feet there you did a great job um I, so I'm, I come from a very musical family. Um, I started reading music before I read English when I was younger. Um, my parents tell me that, um, when like a commercial jingle was on, I would like, if I was crying as a baby, like all of a sudden my cries would like get in tune. Like I would match pitch with like the song that was playing. Wow. I believe it. Um, so I've always had like a, an inclination and a proclivity for music. Um, my my dad is a professional percussionist and drummer. My mom, I grew up and she was always playing the piano and took piano lessons. Um, she uh-huh. sang in the church choir, that kind of thing. Um, I started, I loved singing and any chance I had when I was like a little kid. Um, and then I took piano lessons starting at, I think literally at the age of like two or three, which yeah. I'm sure piano lessons at that time is like, press this note. Ding! you know what I mean yeah. so it's not like I was like you know a savant or anything I never got good I literally wow. quit in sixth grade before I was like probably on the precipice of actually getting really good so um okay. I, I but I picked up clarinet when I was um I have like all these little feathers running around me um I, I have no idea <laughs> where they're from but I noticed or... them on my <laughs> I have no hmm. idea where they're from um but I um I picked up clarinet when I was in fourth grade and then um, saxophone when I was in high school and just continue to play those to this day. Um, my brother's a really good guitarist. My sister-in-law is a bassist. And so I sing and I play those instruments. We all play together as a family band when we get together, which is a lot of fun. But what I think I like the most, like connecting it back to Josh Groban is yeah. I just, the kind. it's not necessarily always lyrics that give me, I just like mm-hmm. the music itself. And there's just something about what he sings about that I feel like gets to the kind of music that just resonates with me to calm me down a little bit at the end of the day. Um, Music is the thing that so many of us, I think, turn to when we need to amplify a certain emotion. If we need to feel sad, we'll listen to sad music. If we need to feel happy or if we want to get pumped up or um, whatever the case may be. Um, Josh Groban music for me is literally like I am by myself and I just need some time to focus on in. I spend the vast majority of my time writing harmonies to his music and just kind of sing those out together. Um, And that for me is just kind of like, you know, I get to 
feel like I'm a musician while I listen to his work, which sounds pretentious, I think. But um, it's just it's kind of nice to just kind of go over the flow and have that moment for yourself. Like, I'm not sitting in the car being like, hey, yeah. everyone, it's Josh Groban's new song. Let's go. And like, yeah. I'm. <laughs> it's not like a social artist for me. Uh, for other people it might be. Um, yeah. It's just, I think that that's probably why I, I like his music so much is because it gives me a sense of centering. That's really fascinating to hear. And not, you know, something, so, uh, I, uh, you know, the people listening know that I have a pro wrestling podcast on okay. RHAP. And something I've been thinking about a lot is because I have this moment and, you know, like my, so Spotify, listening Spotify. And, you know, I've always, I've, I like listened to some wrestling theme songs. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was thinking about this a lot actually this past week where I was like, huh. What, like, what, you know, cause I grew up, I grew up as a wrestling fan. I've talked about it on the wrestling half, all the things, but you know, like, I feel like there's something with that music and I've kind of tried to be more intentional thinking about, wait, like, why does like, why do some of these songs or some of these things like connect with me in some way? Ooh, yeah. Paying attention and listening. There's like a lot of, you know, not all of it does, but like, there's a lot of like motivational type of mm. messages in there and like things that I think have helped me tap into like the um you know kind of like the superhero version of me like yeah pose but like without you know like that version of me as opposed to like you know the whatever like all those things growing up where you know it's even hard to connect with now sometimes but i yeah. i like you and like connect a lot with what you're saying like what first of all do, We'll have to come back to your singing and performing <laughs> and these things a little bit more, but I want to kind of take a step back. Like, mm -hmm. what was growing up like for you? Yeah. Where did you grow up? Because I know you're in Brooklyn, but like, yeah. you new. That's very new. Yeah, this is new. I moved here last July, so I haven't yeah. been here for a full year yet. Um, I grew up. Uh, I was. I was born in Syracuse, New York, and I lived in the Syracuse area and then about two hours north of Syracuse for most of my life, um, literally all of my life, essentially. Yeah. Um, I had a very good childhood. Um, I have two parents who, I, I mean, I feel very blessed. I yeah. feel very privileged in many ways. Like there's a lot of things that I continue to find like, wow, I really was privilege to have this family dynamic um and so many of my classmates didn't or whatever the mm -hmm. case might be i continually reflect upon that and, and feel grateful for those things but um my father was an educator um and so he uh he was when i was born he was a, a social studies teacher and in, in a high school um and then when my brother was born who's he's uh about 20 months younger than me mm -hmm. We, um, he, he became like a building administrator. So he started working as an elementary school principal, then middle school principal, and then eventually became a high school principal, um, in Governor, New York, uh, mm. Governor High School. And that's where I spent the vast majority of my life from like yeah. second grade until I graduated from high school. And so he was my high school principal, which was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, I was like, so, cause my mom was a, a, she really, she actually just retired after like 30 years as a, <sighs> as an educator, as a teacher, college professor for the most part, but also taught in my, one of my 
older sisters in her high school. And like, I never had the experience of my mom working in the school where I was. Oh. What was that? I feel like I was just having a conversation with someone that was literally <laughs> uh, watch. It's going to be like the previous pod friends episode or something. Oh, like no. that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no. Like, what was that like? Um, well, and here's the other thing, too. By the time I, when I got to middle school, my yeah. mom went back to school. So she had stayed home with my brother and myself. And then when we were like in the older part of elementary school, she started working as a teacher's aide and she mm -hmm. had gotten a finance degree and had been working in a bank um, and then decided that she wanted to stay in education, but yeah. in a different capacity. So when I was in middle school, she went back to Syracuse University and got her master's degree. And this was like in the very beginning of when online degrees were a thing. This was like mm -hmm. early 2000, actually 2000 was the year. Right. Yeah. So she got her master's degree in library media studies and then became the middle school, high school librarian because at our school, it was a small enough school that the middle school and high school are on the same building, just like separated mm -hmm. sides. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just that my dad was the high school principal it was that my mom was also the librarian. So like, I literally never escaped my parents when I went to school. You never went to the library when you went to school. Unless I had to for, for work. And that's actually not true because I knew my mom had snacks. So you better yeah. believe I was walking to the library and be like, mom, can I have cookies? And she'd be like, no, <laughs> get back to class. Um, it, so a lot of people think that that meant like I could get away with murder. And if anything, it was like if I got in trouble at school, it was going to be 10 times worse than when I got home. That's what people say a lot. Yeah. Too. That's like a theme I hear from kids of kids who whose parents worked in the schools. Like it's never the it's never the like, oh, it was easier for them. Like, no. no. <laughs> and then that, and I think sometimes like and I don't know. I wonder if this happened with you, but I feel like sometimes the uh the parents might even feel like they have to go out of the way to show that there's not favoritism not only to the other students but then to like administrators and others what was that like for you i was actually just talking about this like literally oh. last week with my parents and my dad was saying like there was a lot of things that you were overlooked for like opportunities and scholarships yeah. and such because of who i was or because it the fact that both of us were there and he's like, and that wasn't fair. And I was like, but to yeah. be honest, dad, like, and I'm, this is going to come across a little egotistical and I apologize in advance. Like I we went to it. a small school. I was mm -hmm. one of maybe very few kids where both my parents, by the time I graduated had master's degrees. Like I had a, mm -hmm. like the vast majority of people I went to school with did not have parents who went to college or anything like that. So just, I had a, a an appreciation for education and anything I wanted to do at school, what a club, a team, anything like that was fair game because that was a supervised activity. My parents knew who was going to be involved with that. Like, go ahead and do that, which meant that from a young age, um, because I was in a small school and because I was just excited about everything, I, I still to this day, I love learning. Um, I did everything. And I ended up being very good at a lot of different things. So I was a good musician and I, I loved acting and I had lead roles in plays and musicals. I was a captain of the swim team and the softball team. I, uh, I did so many different, I was a section yeah. leader in marching band. I was involved with community service and all those different kinds of things. And I, my dad was like, well, it wasn't fair that you didn't have all these other accolades. And I was like, 
I had enough accolades. Like I'm yeah. like, I'm actually happy that I didn't get more than I did. Because, <laughs> I'm like, cool down, cool down, dad. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Like I just remember going to the doctor and they'd be like, what kind of clubs and activities are you in? And yeah. I would like list for like, five, and they're like, okay, we're, we get it. We get it. You're, you do a lot. Right. <laughs> uh, but I just, I kind of feel like I, I got enough validation and accolades. I was an overachieving kid, which I think adds to why I'm so anxious now because you go to college and it's not like you can just do everything like you did in high school, especially when you go to such a small school like I did. Mm. And all of a sudden I couldn't dedicate, I couldn't be on a D3 softball team or swim team and do the select choir and do the the musical production or whatever. I couldn't do all of that. So I had to pick and choose what I wanted to do. And I really think that if I'd had too much more pushed at me as a high school student of like those accolades, I think it a would have gone to my head. I don't think Mm -hmm. I would have been as grounded. And I don't think that I would have been able to handle losing parts of my identity in college as gracefully as I felt like I did in in college. That was difficult. I was recruited to play softball and to swim and I turned both of them down so I could sing. And to this day, I always wonder, like, what would I have been like if I had actually continued to play sports? I hopefully would have been healthier than I am now. But maybe there's other parts about it that I wouldn't have liked as much as I got to experience. I don't know. Just all of that was interesting. Wow. That's really fascinating because I've never one. I was someone who I guess maybe from when I was even in like elementary school, middle school, I was very involved in things. I was just talking with my mom the other day. I just saw her actually the other day and she was saying, Oh, I found your student council notebook from blah, 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 blah. blah. And like, literally it's funny. Cause I found it like maybe a year ago and I was like, this is weird. I have notes on two pages. Cause we barely <laughs> met, but like, the, I think there was like an expectation for like, there was an expectation almost as the youngest of four for me personally, where I was like, do things and then like do the things that your older siblings did. And sports was one of the big things I did up until eighth grade. And then I went to like a really sporty high school. And then I was like, bye on sports. Yeah. Not trying to yeah. do all that because that's uh, a lot. It gets intense when you it's have intense. a very competitive sports program. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I mean, okay. The alternate universe of Beth do you, ever, yeah. do you have like a vision of what the alternate universe Beth would be like? Because oh, it seems like you've like, I guess my point of why I even like go back to myself with sports and that stuff was like, I never have thought to myself, what would life be like if I were <laughs> like, if I kept playing soccer after the eighth grade or basketball even or whatever, you know, I never really thought about that. I also yeah. was much better at soccer. I'm not going to go into it, but like, how do you <laughs> picture the alternate universe of your, like what, <sighs> how could you have been different if you did those things? It sounds like things could have been very different. I think they would have been, um, if I had played, so, yeah. so I don't think I would have done swimming in college because swimming is a two semester sport in college. So you start in the fall and then you don't end till the spring. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of early mornings getting in a cold pool at 5 a.m. that I was just not here for. Um, so and they also when they were recruiting me, they wanted me to swim events. I didn't want to swim. So I just I don't mm-hmm. think I would have done swimming. Softball is yeah. another issue. I I love softball and baseball a lot. I, I love it so much. I, um, I was really good. Um, mm-hmm. and 
Whereas with swimming, I was I was the best swimmer. I had a school record. I'm like I'm like yep, you were you were really good. <laughs> you were thank you, Matt. Yeah, I know that you've done extensive research and you were looking at Governor High School's. Record. I was no, okay. yep, that's right. Um, <laughs> I did have a school record in swimming in the 200 meter freestyle or 200 yard, I guess, because it's a yard pool. Um, but it's not even worth saying. I'll say what the time was, but like most people are going to be like. That's what like middle school people spent. Like, what do you mean that's a record? I was a part of the second to worst team in the worst section of swimming in all of New York State. So to say that I was a good swimmer, like I didn't really have, I I love my coaches, but I didn't have like proper swim coaches that probably could have pushed me to a different level if I was at like a different district or a different section or something. But I was, uh, my, my time was 218 flat. To put that in perspective, most high schools yeah. are about Boy. 157. So I was about a good 21 seconds slower as a school record than But if it makes you places. feel better, <laughs> I feel like that sounds like it's not that much slower to me. Now I know that there's oh, like the half sense. of the quarters of it. Yeah, there's, I guess when you, when you like look at the Olympics and it's like, okay, so and so, Michael Phelps. Uh, that's the only swimmer I could possibly. Actually, it's not the only swimmer I could possibly. Yeah, we're not going to try. So there's like this: the quarters of a second, and the yeah. tenths of a second, and yeah. the, whatever, and maybe even eighths of a second. All the yeah. things. But that's so fascinating too. Yeah, yeah, I guess like you, but you were okay. Alternate so, universe, Beth. So super if- athletic. So Except yeah, I would have because the other kids. No, definitely with swimming. <laughs> but with softball, I was I was a good softball player. Um, I yeah, I like softball and baseball because there's a lot of mental components that go into it. Like you really have to know, like to a certain extent, you have to know physics without actually knowing physics. Like mm-hmm. oh, they're standing this direction and they're happening to swing this way, so that means the ball is more likely to go that way. Or yeah. there, are, and and you know, this is how I have to adjust. Or I'm reading the signals, and okay, it looks like they're going to bunt. I was a third baseman, so like, okay, let me just charge at the batter, hoping that they're going to bunt and so and not just yeah. smack a line drive into my face. Um, but I was good at those kind of things, and. Yeah. I was good offensively and defensively. And if I had played softball, I think two things would have happened. One, I would have had a much better sense of how to take care of myself as an adult in terms of health and fitness, because I Mm. would have been accustomed to doing that once I got to college. For me, I stopped playing sports, got to college, drank beer and ate pizza all day. And then I was like, what? How come I'm gaining weight? (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) But I think that there would have been that sense. But I also think to a certain extent, not that I'm like getting involved with choir or theater, like got me away from a self-discovery, but I think I might've been able to understand that I was queer at a younger age because the softball team at St. Lawrence had so many beautiful, like lesbians and bisexual women on the team. And I wasn't, I had friends who were queer. Yeah, I know it's such a stereotype. <laughs> I mean, right? Every time, no, every time, I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. on their, I'm on their page on their website. I pulled up the team photo. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if, like, next to their name, it was like lesbian and just like outed like what their sexuality was, like just by hey, looking them up on the team. I mean, um, sure. <laughs> I, mean I know it's such a stereotype, um, but I knew quite wow. a few of the girls on the team, and um, I mean. 
I really think that if I had been in a comfortable enough environment, I might have been able to understand a little bit more about myself. But that said, I think the alternate universe Beth would have felt very, very starved for artistic expression. Mm. I get a lot of... I still do. It's why I podcast. I like entertaining people. I like... Um, music and feeling like I'm expressing myself in a way that is really unique, that, that combines math and, and art and, and language and it's like universal and those kind of things. Whereas like softball, yeah, it can be entertaining, but only for the people who are like happen to be watching that game. Mm-hmm. And it's really more for me and the team versus music is for everybody. Um, And I really think that I care more about feeding people a a good quality and, you know, performance or something like that. Like I get a lot of joy and fulfillment out of that. So I think I would have been a little starved (laughs) if I had done that instead. Yeah. Who knows? I'm glad you're eating and I'm glad that you have like those (laughs) things figured out. The opposite of starved is. Yeah. (laughs) But no, I think that I think that this is like very powerful because like, you know, maybe there's so much that you said there. And actually, when you started to talk about swimming, I thought of that um, one challenge uh, in Drag Race, and I'm not going to be able to remember what she's in, where Rue is like, get in the water now. I'm like the first Season day. five, the opening. Yes, season five, the photo shoot challenge, the first yes. day that they're there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who won season five? Jinx Monsoon. And who is who is now on All Stars 7, which I'm all caught up on. And all and, I, oh, the best snatch game of all time. Do you as we kind of transition to talk about Drag Race a little yeah. bit, maybe just to start with this season, because I need to, I'll mm-hmm. admit, I need to catch up on the podcast no because worries. I literally just watched the, I literally just caught up on the first two episodes, episodes like yeah, last yeah. night. So I'm going to catch all up. Good. But I want to ask you, by the way, this is, this episode is definitely coming out a few weeks after, like, few weeks later so yeah anyway like do you have like favorites going into that season that you are that kind of jump out for you obviously you do but who are they my favorites that are on the season yes. in terms of like who i personally Ooh. like the most are yeah. jinx monet shay those mm-hmm. are my top three they're my favorites that i i've gotten to see Shay, definitely. I saw Shay. Um, I've seen Jinx, uh, and I think that Jinx is one of the best, like, performers, just generally performers. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. just drag. Um, I've yet to see Monet, but I love, like, I used to watch The Exchange Rate, which was Monet's show on Build, and I mm-hmm. used to love, um, or not used to, I continue to love si- uh, Sibling Rivalry, which is her podcast with Bob the Drag Queen. Yeah. Um, I just, I think that she's just such a funny person naturally and i think that jinx is a funny performer and i think that shay just like has just brings this level of like honestly like perfection and um just it's just like on a whole other level they're they're the three that i love the most now that doesn't take away from the amazingness that are the other queens exactly Um, but that's i yeah they're my top three that are on the season for sure yeah, and I think it's like it's I don't know, it's all it's so interesting to me to think about even 
drag race in the context of competition and because yeah. it is a competition and it does get fierce sometimes i think it could get fierce. even we'll get even more fierce dwelling dwelling yeah. the, <laughs> the girls are doing the things and <laughs> i love it um so but no i wanted that. to i wanted to i thank you i know i know i knew i knew but you've been I new that affirmation i've been new mm-hmm. i have to i have to ask though like thinking about you also mentioned like re, like your your own queer journey mm-hmm. and you're there like talking about drag race all the time and i think that's something that I mean, maybe people would assume or just kind of like, you know, even listeners might assume from what I've listened to of the Drag Race podcast, too, is like just a comfort in in queerness. But I also I like I know that that's also been a journey for you. And so like a big one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe like a good place to maybe a good way to ask this is like, what role has Drag Race played in the in your journey in your journey? Yeah. It's played a really huge one. Um, and not just, and not just of my queer journey, but yeah. also with the ability to love myself as a woman as well. Right. Um, so I, I kind of came late to the game with Drag Race. The first season I watched was All Stars 2 which was mm-hmm. in 2016. So a weird season to watch for the first time when you don't have any context of who these queens are. Yeah. But a great season to start with, because in my opinion, and it's the best season there's ever been. And I know a lot Ooh. of people share that and I know a lot of people don't. But in terms of all the seasons, I really think All Stars 2 is the best one. And I will admit, I started watching this and I was like, I don't really get drag. Like, tell me, yeah. like, are these are are these cis men that are like are they questioning if they're trans or not like i didn't understand that portion of it because i hadn't really been exposed to it mm-hmm. and the more i watched it i was like not that there would have been an issue either way i was like i just didn't right. understand like then i learned like oh no drag is just using gender as expression as a form of entertainment so it doesn't matter how you identify out of drag it's just that you're using drag if you you can be a cis woman um being a drag queen and all you're doing is making a commentary on hyper femininity or whatever the case might be, right? Like you're using yeah. the drag or in the gender expression as the form of um, entertainment. And so that to me was interesting. I was like, Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to be a guy dressing up as a girl. Like it could right. literally be any identity using any gender expression as a means of entertaining and also proving a point about gender expression, which is that it's a construct. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that that was really interesting. Um, so that also helped me to better understand, like, all of a sudden I was watching these beautiful, thicker, bigger bodied humans, not necessarily always like, um, like a fatter person, but somebody Mm -hmm. who is just built stockier, but using proportions of femininity as a means of entertainment. And for somebody who is bigger and has curves and was always had fat and cellulite and all those different kinds of things, especially as an adult woman, I have always felt body shamed by general Mm. media because I never saw any representation. But then here's a whole bunch of um, mostly cis men. You have someone like Roxy Andrews, who's just being absolutely praised for looking so thick and gorgeous. And I was like, thick and juicy. 
thick and juicy. Exactly. Like that's, that was powerful for me as a woman. Mm -hmm. And then I started to really understand, like, that's kind of what my introduction to queer culture was. I mean, I grew up in the very top of New York state. And while I did have access to queer culture, quote unquote, from a very specifically academic point of view, because I've made a career out of higher education and I had queer people in my life, it's not like there were queer spaces around me that weren't steeped in academia. So I started to really see like, oh, this is what some more of the queer pop culture is like. It's not the be all end all of queer culture, of course, but it started Mm -hmm. getting me to go down the wormhole a little bit and explore new things. And when I would go and travel to cities, like let me go to, you know, a queer bar or to a drag show or to a pageant or do different things so that I could get exposed when I was out of that area. And so that was super nice because it played such a huge role of understanding, you know, at first I was like, I'm just an ally. And then I started really realizing that no, I'm not just an ally. There's something else here that's kind of either been buried or just hasn't been discovered yet, to be perfectly honest. Um, for a long time, I suspected I might be ace. And for yeah. a long time, I was really scared that'd be the case. Um, I did not mean for that to rhyme. Uh, um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was very difficult yeah. because I didn't know anybody that was ace. I figured if you were ace, it was like a death sentence in terms of like your ability to ever have a relationship or for anybody to ever truly like you because it's so weird and awful and all those different kinds of things. I never knew anybody. There was no representation anywhere. And I just figured it. It's it's not like, you know, I'm not saying that, um, you know, being gay and coming out as as gay, for example, is at all easy but there was some semblance of representation and there was some semblance of people around you who may have a similar experience i've had zero people in my life who are intimately close to me who even knew what that was let alone had experienced it to the same level i had i went throughout college which is such a hypersexualized time for a lot of people yeah and just was like i just don't understand what people are talking about. Like, I just don't mm-hmm. see people sexually attractive. I just don't want to go have sex with I find them attractive because I like their face, but that doesn't mean I want to have sex with them. Like, yeah. what does this mean? Um, so when I started getting more involved with drag race, um, in terms of watching it and consuming that culture, I started really understanding and taking like, I mean, people come for me a lot on the Drag Race po- podcast and I understand this because I'm very critical of RuPaul. I think that RuPaul's done so many wonderful things for the um, queer yeah. community, but I also think that RuPaul's at an age where a lot of older people get to where they kind of are also outdated and they yep. also don't stick with the times and and there's so much that RuPaul continues to do with using a platform to uplift queer people that's just absolutely amazing, but there's so many things that are at the same time, either cringy or hurtful that I call out, but I want to give him his roses because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have felt like, Oh, there's this, there's something that I can identify with here. And yeah, I just, I think I generally, um, I've lost my point from before I started talking about RuPaul, but I think I just generally, um, feel like, 
I, oh, it was because RuPaul always says, if you can't love yourself, how can you love anybody else? Can I get an amen? And And you know, you just kind of repeat that because you're like, whatever. But then I started really thinking about it. And I was like, if you are ace, like, let's take a step back and think about how beautiful that is. Like, Mm -hmm. if you are, and this, for me, it's always started as demisexual. And I am demisexual and I am ace. And you can be both. Uh Uh-huh. On a, another layer of that, I am biromantic, um, which... And as people listen to, like, how do you define, like, each of these things? Because mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I love about Pod Friends is that people are, like, tuning in and they especially love... I think of the episode that I did with Brooklyn Zed and we talked Brooklyn. a lot about just, like, being non-binary and, like, what that means and what that totally. what that looks like for them but i wonder like yeah like how like educate educate beth yeah yeah definitely i'm it's one of my favorite things to do because when i was when i first kind of came out i really only came out to my twitch community and it's not mm-hmm. like i had a lot of viewers i had a solid group of about 10 to 15 people who were coming in and i was slowly coming out and i had people who were you know there for me and they were supportive and that made me want to be more vocal so then i was yeah. more vocal on twitter and then i you know, it's it's been gradually trying to fill the gap of for other people presenting representation, whether they identify that way or not, so they can put a face to that exactly. identity, you know. Um, so basically, asexuality is a spectrum, as is aromanticism and, and a gender people. So that's what the A and LGBTQIA plus or two plus whatever stands for um, not ally not ally <laughs> not ally it stands for three different a's asexuality uh-huh. aromanticism a gender so mm-hmm. um the a is i think a greek or latin beginning which means hmm. no like so you grow up in science class hearing about uh, thinking about asexual organisms so those that don't require sex in order to reproduce Mm -hmm. so when you think about it in the sense here asexual people can experience a wide spectrum of things it could be that they just don't experience sexual attraction which is the camp i fall under Mm -hmm. or they have they have to have certain criteria in order to experience sexual attraction Um, asexual people can also um, not have a sex drive at all Um, some people do some people don't some it just there's a whole spectrum within it. and there's all these sub it's like an umbrella term there's all these sub different yeah. um identities i identify as one of the sub uh, umbrellas called demisexuality i think demisexual refers for me personally more about how i become sexually attractive in the few moments or times and people that i do mm-hmm. um versus asexual kind of talks about who i am most if not all of the time yeah so asexuality for me is just i don't find people sexually attractive um it doesn't this may be tmi and i'm sorry if it is but it it doesn't mean that i don't have a sex drive or it doesn't mean that i don't experience sexual like arousal but Mm -hmm. it just means that i just don't get that going because of other people if that makes sense i'm just like i'm having the feelings because it's a natural thing to have and that's fine um demisexuality for a lot of people means you need to form an emotional uh connection or have a shared experience or something that's like very deep in order to feel sexual connection or Mm -hmm. attraction i mean it's different than people who want to 
like wait to have sex. They might experience sexual attraction to that person and say, I want to have sex with them. I just don't want to have sex now. It's not a choice um, in the way that some other people may experience, you know, waiting to have sex with a partner. Um, demisexuality is something that's like basically gets turned on. You're like, oh, I find you sexually attractive now after a shared intimate experience and in, 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 intimacy, meaning like a shared experience that you have close together that doesn't necessarily mean sexual mm-hmm. intimacy. Um, for me, the very few times that I've experienced sexual attraction, it has always been with somebody who I've become very close with as a friend. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we become a couple. It just means like, yeah. Oh, I understand what sexual attraction is. I could or would have sex with this person being right. based off that, right? Yeah. So it's like sounds super tedious, but like that's kind of how I had to compartmentalize this in my mind yeah. in order to better understand myself. But some people don't need those labels or some people don't need any of this and they mm-hmm. completely are comfortable with themselves. And that's absolutely fine and amazing. Other people like myself need these like little labels in order to attach a a word to something that you feel so that you can validate it for yourself and feel validated. Um, And then by romanticism. So there's, (laughs) this is where we get to a whole other part and like happy pride month. You're getting an education today. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I will say like, as you take a breath for a split second um, is just that one reason I even feel so comfortable asking you to be like, educate, like tell yeah. us is because like you you know like even through social media and really I guess this is like one of the first times I was like where you were really on my radar I was like oh Beth is like actually you know beyond the Drag Race podcast itself where I was like oh I actually need to get to know Beth was yeah. like as you just were like and it's it wasn't even a moment because I guess there have been multiple moments where you've just like shared and been like, hey, PSA about like being ace or demi <laughs> or biromantic. Right. And I think yeah. that that's one of the beautiful things is that we started this whole podcast out with a bunch of shenanigans. There will be more shenanigans. <laughs> oh, there will whether, be. <laughs> if it will, if over our, de- un- uh, over our dead body, we yes. will. <laughs> yes. But um, no, we'll do those shenanigans and, you know, but like at the same time, you're so great at educating as you are about Thank to you. do with biromanticism. Yeah. And well, thank you for that. That really does mean a lot. It's something that I feel very passionately about. And it's something that I've had a few people come up to me and and say, you know, I had no idea what this was, or I did know what it was. And I've never known anybody who so it's nice to have, you know, somebody who can be out in this way for other people, because it's very underrepresented in all kinds of conversation, even in queer spaces. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people who still don't understand it or sometimes the queer community can also be very prejudicial or discriminatory within other identities underneath of it. And so that's sometimes what you experience, but you're only Mm going to help that with education. So I'm happy to share my experiences. So there's also, um, there's also another phenomenon. This happens mostly with people who identify in like the buy and pan um, identities as well as asexuality, aromanticism, mm-hmm. those kind of realms. And it's called mixed attraction. So there's different levels of attraction. 
There's physical attraction where we could look at somebody and say, I think that person is beautiful, handsome, pretty, ugly, whatever, blah, 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 right? That is based off of physical appearances. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, your physical appearances align with your sexual attraction, right? Like, but not always. But not always. And then on top of that, there's romantic attraction. Um, so there might be for somebody who's bi, you yeah. might find women yeah. sexually attractive, but only want to have like relationships with men, for example. Yeah. Or you might find um, that you never have sex with women, um, and but you have sex with men, but you're interested in having a relationship with a woman. And then maybe yeah. over time, right? So mixed attraction is when those different layers of attraction don't necessarily align. So I experience that in the sense that I am bi-romantic. Mm -hmm. I find, and I actually think I'm probably, I flip between saying that I'm pan-romantic and bi-romantic. It kind of yeah. just depends on how I'm feeling, but I haven't found a gender identity that I don't mm -hmm. find romantically attractive um, mm -hmm. in the sense that. I haven't found a person and because of their gender identity is the yeah. reason why I wouldn't find them romantically attractive, which would include all the aspects of a relationship besides the sex portion. So yeah. I would, Oh, I'm like, Oh, I can envision myself being in a relationship with this person, like having mm -hmm. the intimacy that goes on a relationship with this person, the romance, but not necessarily the sex portion. Yeah. I experienced that in the sense that I've only ever, when I have had those moments of sexual attraction, it's only been with male identifying people. Mm -hmm. But I also don't know, maybe there's an opportunity down the road um, yeah. for me to experience sexual attraction to a woman or you know to a non-binary person yeah. um, i i definitely find like trans and non-binary and all these beautiful agender people romantically mm -hmm. attractive i've had plenty of crushes on people yeah. who are anything in and out of the binary yeah. um it's just the the sexual portion i haven't experienced yet that other than just for yeah. men. So yeah. when I say I'm bi-romantic, I mean that I find more than one gender romantically attractive. This is so powerful and I hope really helpful for people too. And it's, and it also calls um, even just the point you made about like being bi-romantic or pan-romantic and like what you refer to is so fascinating because like for so long and like I like identified as bisexual mm -hmm. and then I was like well wait but I'm like but I'm not just bisexual like I'm pansexual but mm -hmm. then and now I like most of the time I'm just like I, I always describe myself because I, I always say like I'm a young black queer person is like yeah. something that I bring to the conversations and then drilling down on that is important because one labels, well, labels, I, even like in our lifetime have evolved so much and just like the understanding of these different labels totally. and categories is so important. And I think if people are. I'm assuming people are listening right now if they're hearing me saying this. <laughs> they probably like, were like, oh God, I'm turning <laughs> off now. She's getting ah! too... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, the thing I love is like, there will be people, there will be people, Beth, who reach out to you when they hear this where they're like, oh my gosh, that was such a helpful conversation. Good, and yeah. either they identify with you in that sense, um, but or they're learning. And I've 
I think like that's the coolest thing where there are people who are like, oh my God, I learned so much. And so like, I appreciate you sharing all of that and like educating too. But I also, it reminds me of the podcast that we did together earlier this year on my weekly meltdown about the Mm -hmm. real world homecoming um, LA Mm-hmm. which I, I struggled to remember if it was L.A. or New York because I binged both <laughs> and before doing it. It but, was L.A., I believe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I even like talking about it, about that podcast now, like I feel the heaviness of like just that moment. And I still haven't gone back to like watch or listen to that. But yeah. like for those that don't know, um, for the real world homecoming L.A. there and actually even for the real world homecoming New York, um there were so many like racial there were so many heavy conversations in general actually um about like abortion and important conversations i should say too and about race and identity and and one of the things that i appreciated most as we kind of sat in this podcast panel you know and you had me and mari on as like guests to kind of have that conversation which i thought was really cool shout out to mari um who just actually messaged me so i have to get back to you sorry mari (laughs) i probably got back to you like three weeks ago whenever you messaged me uh (laughs) but anyway like i one of the things i appreciated most and i think i messaged this to you too was like i just felt like you did such a powerful job of also carrying your weight in the conversation because it's sometimes, you know, it's, I think it's difficult to have those conversations no matter what. Right. And I think sometimes it's easy to like lean on other people in those conversations, kind of like I'm doing with you in terms of like ACE identities and Demi identities. And like, but I also think it's like, cool it makes perfect sense to like let people share their stories and like tell their speak to their truth right but at the same time um in that conversation i felt like so many times it's like look to beth and you just had so much wisdom to share and i um i appreciated that and i still appreciate that and it's like there's the saying that you know people will remember won't remember what you said or what you did but how you how they made you feel maya angelou but I, uh, and I, I feel that I feel, I still feel it, which is like something I'm very grateful for when it comes to you as an advocate in this community, you could do the silly, you could do the sillier things and the the fun things Quite often. you also, yeah, yeah. Get you a podcaster who could do both. Is basically <laughs> what. <laughs> well, I think that that's what I love so much about this. The RHAP community is because mm-hmm. we're full of podcasters who could be simultaneously silly, but also talk about really important issues from lived experiences or from experiences that they've learned and reach out to the if you're like in a privileged position like I am when it comes to race like using your voice um, on a platform to tell other white people like hey like if it's not clicking for you you should be listening to black voices or other Mm -hmm. you know POC for various reasons other than you know just because there's issues at hand Um, you should be always thinking about being inclusive with our language and our thoughts. Um, And if, if I can just, because again, I am in the academic higher education sphere, sphere, 
I started talking about this a couple of weeks ago in relation to Jonathan on um, Survivor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying, well, why do you have to bring race into everything? Like, why is, right. you know, like, why are you only talking about this with Jonathan? And the, the reason is, is whenever we're watching these shows, we have to remember that these are humans who yeah. come into these games or these shows with a context of how they perceive and experience the world around them. And that they are going to bring those implicit biases or those lived experiences and how they think about other people and those identities, even if they're not conscious about how they think about them into a game. And especially in Survivor, when you're stripped down um, to the like really core of who you are and who you've been socialized to be, it, it's going to affect how you play in tr- the game and treat people in the game. And one of the ways I think about this is I studied rhetoric and communication in college. I think it's just so fascinating every single day. We as humans are meaning makers. So we are unique in the sense that we have incredibly intricate language and systems in order to create meaning that is based on shared experiences with each other. Mm-hmm. So The English language, for example, is an amalgamation of people's lived experiences coming together to try to fit everything into one word so that we have a general idea of what other people mean, right? So if I say the word chair, those of us who speak English are going to picture a chair in our mind, Yeah, but that chair is going to be different in all of our minds because of how we have lived. So I could be sitting next to my brother who is biologically and socially probably one of the closest people in the world to me. And he will likely be thinking of a different chair than I am Mm -hmm. because we have different lived experiences. So when you don't include people who have a different view, who have a different world experience, who have had different power dynamics to deal with in their lives, who have different levels of privilege, who if you don't listen to all voices, especially those that are often not listened to, you're only Mm -hmm. getting so much out of a particular solution that you could potentially having, or you might not be getting all the factors in a problem. When you play a social reality game, you might not be thinking of all the ways another person could be benefiting your game. You might not be thinking about how you might be coming off to those people in order to secure a vote. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I like to talk about these things on these podcasts because reality TV provides a really fun sliver into what society brings. But it's also a really great reminder that There are really big intersectional issues out there that we need to pay attention to. And if we aren't actively listening to the voices who this affects more so than ourselves, for example, like it would be very easy for me as a white person to go, okay, well, let's let's talk about race and not bring in somebody who has had lived experiences like like that. We could have done that on my weekly meltdown. And I actually am very proud that my co-hosts, Allison, um, Kelly and and Tyler Lyons. Yeah. We're like, you know what? We are three white people about to touch a subject that is not for us to only comment on. And if anything, it's not our place to talk about race, especially between a black woman and a black man on this show. That's not our place. You know, so it was that. we were so thankful that you and Mari joined us because 
not just because you guys were able to provide a perspective that we don't have lived experiences and, and we can't really speak to, but because it gave us an opportunity to hopefully show other people that, yeah, these conversations are not comfortable, but they're not supposed to be comfortable. These right. are You have to be comfortable getting uncomfortable in order to grow as a person and as a society. Wow. Yeah. And I just want to give a big shout out to I and I probably mentioned this to you, Beth, but like definitely to Tyler and to Allison. But yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's, I I um I, I think of Allison sometimes in that conversation, um, especially uh, not only because she has the most ador- adorable grandson. Right. Oh, um, yes. Cloud. But, Cloud Lucas. Oh my God, Cloud is <laughs> so adorable. Um, but also because she really. um constantly you know and well you'll hear this from people who say i you know i i you know i want to get this right and i you know i might misspeak and people are nervous but she still is willing to have the conversation Mm -hmm. and i think about that a lot and i i just um i admire her so much in that from that conversation that we had and i'm sure we'll have like others down the line (laughs) and so there's so much that we could dig into and so many like important issues that we could dig into and um i only wish there was like more time to do that (laughs) but i i actually you know as we kind of get closer and closer to the point where it's like okay matt you have to stop talking and end the recording <laughs> your stream yard recording device is running out of space is basically it yeah. like, it's like please sir, down stop <laughs> stop recording <laughs> um i wonder from you i want to come back to something you know a little bit lighter more fun that we yes. kind of touched on the beginning yes. you're performing arts you're a performer you've, yes. got the, you've got the glam the glitz the I don't know where this <laughs> accent come from I, I don't know what it is glitz. I you're trying to do an know. old Hollywood kind you're of you're doing it you're, you're doing it you're going for it you're Beth. going going kids you've got talent <laughs> that was, I, for me that was like a Regis Philbin or something honestly like that, that was spot on Regis that's great you gotta win the million Beth come on <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to use a lifeline? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Regis. Uh, no, no. Pass. Ask, like, could you just tell, talk more about... Wait, what? Did you pass? Regis Philbin what? passed away, right? He passed yes, away. Yes, he did. Okay. Shout out to him wherever he is. Um, R.I.P. Shout out. Uh, but yes, Regis, beautiful, beautiful uh, icon. And speaking of beautiful icons, you as this... <laughs> Carnegie Hall... You, yes! perform, I mean, when this comes out, you performed at Carnegie Hall on May 31st already. It happened. How did it go? Ah, well, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to go so well. No, actually, let me put, let yeah. me put, manifest this. It went yes. so well. Um, Ooh. I was actually offered a contract after, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, whatever. Come on, I'm, give us the contract. Yes, that's right. No, um, so at the time uh, of this recording, we're <laughs> about five days before I actually will have my concert at Carnegie Hall but um, one of my favorite modern um, composers his name is Eric Whitaker I know that a Mm. lot of people who have sang in choirs or have played in bands or orchestras may be more familiar with his work it's performed often in high schools and colleges or community uh, organizations and 
Eric Whitaker has some of the most absolutely gorgeous music. It's a lot of very ethereal sounding, a lot of stretched out chords, some dissonance, and then that resolves and it's just beautiful. He uses a lot of poetry as his lyrics and then writes around the poetry. And um, I was following him on Facebook as I do. And I saw a little ad back in February that said, we're still looking for singers of all, uh, if you're a professional or, or amateur that has significant choir background, um, to audition to perform at Carnegie Hall with Eric Whitaker. And I was like, well, I live in New York now. I can do this. Yeah. So I put together an audition um, and I sent it in and I, I got accepted into the chorus. Um, and so on Tuesday, which or on May 31st, I should say, right. um, is the concert. So I will have my first two um, and only two rehearsals with the concert, with the choir on Sunday and Monday. Yeah. Excuse me. Then we'll have the dress rehearsal slash sound check and then just the concert. So I've yet to actually sing with this choir, but I had to memorize my music and show a video that I'd record it, which by the way, was the most awkward <laughs> thing I've ever done. Just me singing an alto part, which yeah. is never amazing by itself. Yeah. With no well, other, like I had to do an acapella. So I had to have in my headphones, like the rest of the music so I could know that I was in tune. Yeah. And then I had to prove that I had the music memorized. So I'm just like staring into this mic, like into the camera and just <laughs> singing the alto line. Like, it was so, like I watched back the videos and I'm like, I look like I'm about to murder someone. This is not at all like attractive. And then I'm like, oh, I don't sound that great. And I'm like, ah. But. And you're like, don't look down. Just don't look down. Don't look away. I don't want to give any idea that they think that I'm looking at any notes or anything. Because like, my move, Beth, would have been like, I would have looked all over the place just so they know I'm not. Oh, you know, said, I know I have notes everywhere. Just like, that's actually, <laughs> yeah. that might have been the move. Just look a, a little like, does she know what she's doing right now? Um, <laughs> she does. She's looking everywhere. Could you imagine? Not I'm just, just one like, place. Oh, her briefness that's literally me yes look everywhere all over the place look over there um (laughs) oh jada got me again (laughs) that's a drag race reference for all of you sorry (laughs) and if you don't know watch drag race that's right So no, uh, I'm excited. So not only yeah. do I get to perform his music, but he is composing. So I get to actually meet him too, which I'm excited about. So. Yeah. I think the thing that's cool is like, even as we record this, you're very much, you know, I I think that this happens a lot with a lot of, you know, maybe a lot of the pod friends conversations, but we're all, you know, no matter how you slice it, you know, we're all so young and have so much life ahead of us for everybody regardless of even like the age but especially like you know as I say this as like a 30 year old right and so there's Mm -hmm. life that we've lived but there's also life ahead and there's like yeah it's it's interesting to be interviewing you now Um, and I even think of the Taryn show and the interviews that he did with so many people who at first I was like oh I'm I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast but like Oh, I can't interview anyone who's interviewed on the Terran show because oh. they were interviewed already. And there are so many people who haven't been interviewed. And then I realized like, oh, no, I, I 100% can because Definitely. there's like a lot of those people were interviewed in like 2017, 2018, 2019. Life evolves and so much changes. Like I could probably interview you in a week flexed. from now and so much you'd even have so much to share and different perspective. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I have a question 
Yes. As we start, uh, you're like, Matt, you have a question? What? What? On, uh, what? Like a stalker. <gasps> Questions? <laughs> Gasp. Uh, shock and awe. God, I, if you're not watching the video version of this, you are missing out. <laughs> the most expressive <laughs> video that people have ever seen in their lives. And also, it, otherwise, you might just be a little bit confused, especially as Beth points to all of the elephants at the beginning and looks around dramatically, showing off just all of her experience <laughs> acting on the Globe stage in London and all of the above. I just mentioned that and throw that in there. But I want to ask you a question. Yes. An important question. Mm -hmm. A question that's about your life. Yes. It's a question I like to ask people, which is, mm -hmm. you know, about their life. If their life, if your life, Beth, yes. were a book or a documentary, Ooh, okay. what would the title be and why? Boom. Mic drop. That's the question. And you already have an answer. So I don't have to stop. I, I think. <laughs> I think. Oh, wait. It, no pressure if you didn't already have one. <laughs> you I, so think, I think it would be called. Aced it. I have to go. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually very hot, so I'm going to continue just to, you know, do one of these. It would be called Aced It and then like a little fork <laughs> afterwards. Mm -hmm. Afterwards. Um, either that or, or it would be. <laughs> Either that or it would be called one of my AOL screen names from way back in the day. Oh no, don't dox yourself. What oh, if I someone will. wants to message you and like slide into your well, aim DMs. Could you imagine if I called. still had aim? I like I haven't looked at that since twenty two thousand nine. Oh my god. Wait. Ugh. I don't want to think about this, but I am thinking about, I'm like, did I delete my AOL accounts like 30 years ago? Or no. 20, I mean, I'm not that old. 20 years ago or 15 years ago? Probably not. No. Wow. Makes no, I haven't. So what was your fun. aim screen, screen I had name? Multiple. But I think the one that <gasps> might be more oh, apropos. one's popular. Your inbox was too small. You're like, All right. Oh, my first one. one was Swimmer <laughs> Champ 186. So Oh, that's a great book a, title. <laughs> and that's not the book title one. That I get catch this one when I was in I'm middle listening. school. It was Sporty Musician <laughs> 11. Ooh. No, Wait, but the one yeah. <laughs> I'm writing these down like, oh, this is a good one. Oh, the good one. <laughs> and now I just know my all aim, your my aim names. screen names. No, but the one that I think would be the best for a, a book would be called Oh No, It's Big Mouth. Ha! Oh no, it's Big Mouth. Oh no, it's Big Mouth because I have a big mouth. I talk wow. a lot. That's a good. That's a good look. You have so many. Well, um, if anyone's listening, if there's anything I could ask for right now, it's if you're on AOL or AIM, <laughs> which may or may not still exist, look up Swimmer Champ 186, Sporty Musician 11, and oh no, it's Big Mouth, which ha! in my mind is my favorite because there's no number there. You know, you keep it like oh, nice yeah. and clean. But it was O-N-O, -O, so I didn't have O-H. It was O-N-O. -O. It's Big Mouth, ha. And then it was H-A, ha. Wait, what? The Oh, there's a hot end. There's a ha. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to really listen. Sorry, I was everybody. an extra 14 year old. So. O N O. It's big mouth. Ha. Mm -hmm. Was the title. Look yeah. at Beth. 
This has been a great moment. This has been a great time we've had together. I have to go find my AIM login. So that's where I'm going to be. But you know what? Something I like to do on these uh, pods. You know what? And you know what? I want to give you the chance to kind of close this out. But I want to more specifically maybe just like ask you to share any words with this community. I mean, you're part of this community podcast, obviously, on the Rucap with Aman and Liana. And then, like, everyone loves to talk about how much they love Rob. I'm the number one person who loves to talk about how much they love (laughs) Rob. But any, like, words or gratitudes or shout-outs or anything you want to put out there? Totally. This is the time. I want to first... I... I started podcasting on my Twitch channel, just talking about drag race and then um, got involved with my weekly meltdown. Allison asked me if I would join her and Tyler. And I first want to give a shout out again to the two of them for developing me as a podcaster and giving Uh me uh, the platform in order to do so. And I do want to thank, you know, Rob and Liana and Amon for all the support they give me. And again, giving me a platform to chat about drag race. Um, But I, I always will say thank you to the members of this amazing community who uplift all of us as podcasters who listen, who click that download button, who submit a review, a like, whatever Mm. the case might be. Um, it's yeah. incredibly validating to every single one of us, even if it's not for me in particular, the fact that you continue to support us is really great. Um, and I mostly appreciate how incredibly nice this community is. Um, it is very hard to have an online community. Um, having been a Twitch uh, streamer for a while, um, I've been blessed with really great communities, but it can be very hard to have such a, overwhelmingly positive and supportive one you don't always have to agree with what the people are saying on the podcast but the fact that you're there to uh support us all is just means a lot and so thank you for growing and learning with all of us Uh, uh, oh you think there should be like a sign like if if you were in my shoes, okay, mm-hmm. you'd like a sign off. Like, how should I end this one right now? Like, what's the move? Like, what's the what's the, my thing? Like, my you know, short like liner. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to call it a one liner, but I don't want to limit you. But it should be okay. It should be. Thank you all for listening and drink polar seltzer. Okay, well, let me try. Hold on. Could you give me like um a, a, like an and scene or like a. A clack. Oh, give me a clack. Give me a clack. Oh, okay. Okay. Ready? Thank you all for listening. And make sure you're freaking drinking polar seltzer. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that we are like, we're going to get yelled at by Rob. He's like, we're not sponsored. Stop pushing products. We're gonna stop. And by the way, there's this popcorn, uh, pop <laughs> secret if you'd like. Uh, 100 calorie snack size, apparently. Great. So check it out. This has been on a couple of Pod Friends episodes. Now, and you know so. what? That popcorn goes really great with the seltzer. Yes. Get your popcorn popped. As hydrate. Say. <laughs> Shout out. Hydrate. Yes. Um, polar. No, I, I are. I don't. I don't know how to end it. I don't. I don't know how to end. I feel like we did it already. Um. Well, let's end it the RuPaul way. If you can't love okay. yourself, 
How in the how hell are you going to love somebody else? Can, can I get an amen up in here? Amen. Now let the music play. Hey, kitty girl. Is your oh, world. Beth, no, the Pod Friends theme song is about to play. Oh. Just so you know. So it's like this. Pod Friends. <laughs> pod Friends. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to watching this week's episode of Pod Friends with Beth. And I just want to give Beth a huge shout out for um, making me cry laughing a few times, uh, just being like such a joy. And, you know, I have the, the benefit of not only having the conversations initially, but then being able to go back and to listen. And I had so much fun. And I just want to thank you, Beth, for being yourself and for just authentically sharing and also taking time to help others learn and grow along the way. That's one of the things I admire most about you, Beth. And um, I'm just thrilled that we had the opportunity to talk about important things, but also about seltzers and Josh Groban. And so um, I hope you're all looking forward to the next Pod Friends episodes, all of them to come. Again, you could suggest guests at bit.ly slash podfriendsnom. And as always, as I say at the end of each and every one of these episodes, thank you. Seriously, seriously. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you, the listener. Thank you for being a pod friend. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.